the first time you experience anything new, it could be seen as extreme change. It's the first time you're dealing with all the consequences of that experience. So in a thought experiment, as you as a crab on the beach, arriving at the beach for the first time in your life, sand's all smooth, the water's far away, things are looking good. There even might be a, a few morsels for you to chow on. And then you look up, and this massive body of water starts to approach you. You try to scuttle away, you're too late, you start to tumble in the water, get your bearings, and crawl out of the sea back onto the beach again. I think the important context here is time. Had you been on the beach for some while as a crab, you would have realized that uh, there was this rhythmic sequence to these waves. They came, they went, and if you were around for even longer, you'd work out that they change every day. They have high tides and low tides, and if you stayed around for even longer, you'd work out that every time that shiny thing in the sky came out at night and it was round, that the waves would be bigger, full moon. Hi, I'm Gareth Armstrong, and you're listening to a Razor's Edge podcast. That's the voice of Alon Rays, CEO of Corp. During the series, Alon guides us towards the opportunities and around the pitfalls that accompany moments of extreme change. After over 20 years of building businesses and supporting entrepreneurs, he has developed processes to deal with these times when uncertainty is high and confidence can be low. Alon has just introduced the idea of zooming out and identifying cycles as we look for ways we can view and understand situations. Let's see where else he takes this. In business, it's very much the same thing. If you are the first time in business, you're going to experience a whole bunch of things for the first time. If you're in business for a little bit longer, you might see rhythms starting to form. If you're in business even longer, you might even see seasons start to form. Cycles. Boom cycles, bust cycles. And if you start to analyze these cycles, you might start to understand what the precursors are to these cycles, what the lead indicators are to these cycles, how you can predict that the cycle is beginning or a cycle is ending. And as you zoom out in time and look at a bigger and bigger timeline, you start to realize that even COVID was predictable. And some people predicted it. The exact timing, not sure, but that it would happen for sure. So one way to approach this extreme change is to anticipate it and prepare yourself for that extreme change. You have people who predict wars and then ensure that they've got sufficient food and bunkers and all sorts of doomsday type preparation. I think they even call them the preppers, doomsday preppers. They're predicting something, the end of times. That end of times, the end of days, doomsday, is something that apparently is not precedented. So now we've got the concept of something that's precedented, cyclical, that you can zoom out and then see it happen numerous times over a period of decades or centuries even, or perhaps even millennia. And then there is a so-called doomsday event, something that's never, ever happened before. But my guess is that 
you haven't zoomed out far enough. So even if we have a discussion around the morbid event of an asteroid hitting Earth and all humanity being destroyed, well, it happened to the dinosaurs and we're just another organic creature on Earth that it might or might not happen to. So if you zoom out far enough, then once again you see that it's happened before. And why I'm speaking about that is because once you have a sense that everything's happened before and there is a sense of recovery and perhaps not in the doomsday event, but there is a sense of recovery, especially in business and in our lives that, you know, we win, we lose, we are on the top of our game, we fall off the top and these things happen in cycles. So we have now the concept of preparation. So I know that it happens and so I can prepare for it. And so that might be a hunkering down, letting the wave crash over me like happened with our crab. So I hunker down. And the other view might be to ride the wave, to use the energy of that wave. And I see with entrepreneurs, they mostly have a hunkering down view. But the truly successful entrepreneurs are anticipating these waves, these extreme changes. They might not know the exact detail of them, but they start to predict the human behavior associated with that. And then they start to ride the wave of that change. Alon is posing some really interesting questions for us to consider. Are we feeling overwhelmed by change? Have we zoomed out far enough to get a real sense of the change that is occurring? And if we haven't adequately prepared for what is currently happening, what can we still do to take advantage of the situation? Is it a case of hunkering down? Or is there a way that we can work out how to ride the change? This last question is an interesting one. And here are a few thoughts from Elon using COVID as the example to help us get our own wheels turning. So when we talk about behavioral change, we can... Look at a number of examples. People didn't stop eating. They just couldn't go to restaurants. If they weren't cooking at home, they weren't going to restaurants. They were getting takeaway. The fact that they were getting takeaway meant that there were more motorcycles on the road. The fact that there were more motorcycles on the road meant that you needed more drivers. The fact that you need more motorcycles and drivers means that there are more motorcycle repairs required. If there are more motorcycle repairs required, that means that there are more motorcycle parts required. Another behavioral change that took place was with motor vehicles. We weren't buying motor vehicles at the time. New car sales numbers crashed. But what was interesting is the secondhand car prices went up because the demand shifted. People still wanted to get around as the lockdowns eased couldn't afford their new car perhaps that they were preparing for or saving up for in the next year, wanted to act a little bit more cautious and would rather move from a new car to a second-hand car. And so demand for second-hand cars goes up because this happens en masse and now second-hand car prices go up. If you can follow the behavior, the thinking, that could be predictable up front. So now when you learn from that, you ask yourself, well, what happens in the next kind of extreme change? What will the thinking patterns be there? What I'm trying to illustrate here is that you don't necessarily, in, in a big change event, have a single behavioral response to that. 
and being able to predict the different behavioral responses means that you can broaden opportunity to sell or service the needs that come out of that behavioral change. So this would be riding the energy of that wave that that wave is created. It's not about hunkering down. It's about how do I ride the energy that's created. And that energy will be created in different ways, depending on the behavioral response of different individuals, communities, parts of humanity. They will react in different ways. And once again, it's to reiterate that they will not all react in the same way. So how does this kind of thinking apply to you and your business? What behavioral changes are you seeing currently or anticipating in the future? And that big question coming out of these answers, do you hunker down or do you ride? So I suppose you have to choose who you are in the event of extreme change. Once you've zoomed out and you've identified that this is a cycle, no matter how far you have to zoom out to see that, then I think the next decision you have to make is, am I going to hunker down and, like the crab, cover myself and wait for the wave to disappear and then come out? Or am I going to ride the wave and use the energy of the wave? I really want to get across that there is no right response to it. And digging a hole on, under the ground and protecting yourself and hunkering down might just be the right response to save you at that time to live another day to fight on. So there's no judgment. I don't want anyone thinking that riding the wave is better than hunkering down. It really, really depends. And it depends on so many things that are out of your control and within your control. And each person has to make that decision. But what I've seen with many entrepreneurs is that they viewed that they only had one way to deal with it, and that was to hunker down. They actually didn't open their minds up during the COVID pandemic to the fact that this might be the biggest opportunity of their life, i.e. to ride the wave. What could that be? And the moment you have conversations with entrepreneurs around that, which I was, the CEOs of the different businesses I'm involved in, once they saw that this could be an opportunity, and this wasn't about just conserving cash and making sure my overhead was as low as possible and retaining my clients, etc. It wasn't just about that. It wasn't the hunker down option only, that there were massive opportunities going to present as a result of all the shifts created by COVID in society, in behavior, in the economy, etc. Then all of a sudden, there's an excitement that comes out. And I, I remember reading an article in one of the financial uh, magazines, online magazines, about how all these billionaires a year into COVID had increased their wealth by tens of percent, you know, 10, 20, 30 percent increasing. These billionaires became bigger. So your reaction to that might be that, well, they started off with a couple of billion to start off with, so that's why they were able to do so. But I've seen it in every strata of business, startups, businesses a year into their journey, and businesses 10 or 20 years in. I've seen businesses that were battling entrepreneurs that have been battling for years in the pre-COVID context absolutely flying. So this, to me, has got nothing to do with just resources. Yes, it has a link to resources. But as I've said in previous podcasts, that resources is a function of how you actually frame what is and isn't a resource. And successful entrepreneurs have an incredible ability to frame things that other people 
do not see as resources as resources and then leverage those resources in the opportunity that's created from extreme change. And that to me is that, okay, what can I use as a surfboard to continue that surfing metaphor is not I don't have a surfboard, is what can I use as my surfboard or maybe I'm just going to body surf you know, and when I need to take off my top to do that, to be more streamlined. It's just a different relationship with with what you have. And to me, that was a mindset that their approach was, right, what's the opportunity here? What can you use as your surfboard? Or is your best bet for survival to be more defensive? It seems like Alon is urging us to take a step up and find ways to leverage the current opportunities that are presenting themselves. What I so appreciate is that he is insisting it is a choice. We have more than one option. And the tool we use to help us find these additional paths and opportunities? First zooming out and then zooming back in. Before you start to think this sounds nice and theoretical, here is a recent experience Alon has had. So if I share a personal anecdote around this, you know, for me, I was involved in a project called Pitch and Polish for now 12 years. Ten of those years were a physical competition that traveled the small towns of South Africa to unearth entrepreneurial talent and to train communities on how to pitch their businesses better so that they could get the funding that they require, whether it was from a bank or a venture capitalist or an angel funder or a friend's fools and family. And then COVID hits in year 11 after a grand 10 years of doing this. And then COVID hits in year 11 and we look at this and we go, well, we can't go and run these events. The COVID and all the complexities around having people sitting next to each other. So the only alternative was to go digital. That's an obvious alternative. And so the question that I asked was, well, how do I do that? What resources do I have? What can I use as a surfboard to continue the metaphor from before. I had some skills of being on TV. I have a TV show, so I have insight into how TV shows work. I had created a small little studio uh, already for that TV show. And so to expand that made sense. I had relationships with um, people in the industry, one of which is actually interviewing me right now. And so the question of what can I use as a surfboard, what are the pieces I can put together to make my surfboard, was a question I kept asking myself for months and months. So I spent time putting the pieces together and went back to the sponsors of the show and we would get between two and 3,000 people, physical people, in an average uh, pitch and polish campaign every year. And so I promised them in the digital format, I promised them that I would achieve 20 to 30,000 viewers, 10 times the amount. Well, I was really, really wrong. We achieved over 1.2 million for the 14 episodes that we created. And if you look at Pitch and Polish now uh, on YouTube, on Facebook, where it was more widely distributed, it looks like a TV production. And then we have to remind ourselves that we actually are a prosperator, a business incubator. We're not a TV studio. And yet we've produced with all the technology that's available, with all the skills that were available, we produced our surfboard. 
and we created the product. It was an exciting but also hugely stressful project to be part of. And I'm really pleased to be able to report that our numbers have risen even higher since Alon and I sat together recording this. It's important to remember that what Alon is describing here and the choices we make are not about finding the path of least resistance. Huge stress was a part of the decision he made. Rather, Alon is sharing a skill with us that will allow you and I to identify what our best next decision is going to be based on the additional insights and information that Zooming Out and Zooming In present. It's been a really good conversation and I hope you have enjoyed it as much as I have. Before we part company, here's a final word from Alon. But what's important in that is that all of a sudden that builds a level of confidence to do so many more things with that. And so a whole vista of opportunity opened up for us in that space. Because once you can, if I can achieve 1.2 million viewers in the, my first attempt, what else can I do? And so now your mind wonders, what else can I do? And so now you are grateful for that extreme change because you know, you've got your surfboard and now you want to go ride some other waves. So to sum up, I think it's about First of all, zooming out, always and zooming out far enough to see the pattern. Then deciding whether you are going to hunker down or ride the wave and do what's right for you at the time. But always give yourself both options. I really have enjoyed this discussion. If you have too, head over to racecorp.com where you'll find similar resources aimed at helping you expedite the growth of your business, including that pitch and polish series Alon mentioned during this conversation. In addition to this, follow Racecorp on your favorite social media platforms where you'll find updates on when the next podcast in this series is released. My name is Gareth Armstrong and I'll see you in the next episode.